This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe talk everything built on Keen Stones. Well, gents, lots happened since we last recorded, um, but, you know, as usual, life goes on. Uh, Ross, how are you doing? Well, after a heartbreak on Saturday, I think the uh, NFL cheered me up uh, yesterday, but yeah, overall, had a decent weekend and uh, going into the week in a good mood for once. Yeah, that was a big week, a big win, sorry, for Baltimore, that wasn't against... Tennessee, and uh, now you've got Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills to come up against, which will be interesting for sure. That's a big game to watch if you're into your NFL. And um, Joe, I assume it's been uh, as usual, busy week for yourself. But how are you doing? Yeah, all good, all good. Uh, just yeah, again, gutted about gutted about Saturday, especially the manner of it. But yeah, it's it's one of them things, you know. It, it's uh, yeah, I'll live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, we definitely talk a lot about Burnley uh, coming up on the podcast. Um, but before we get onto that, um, some transfer news to talk about for, on the Don's perspective. Um, one in, um, in the form of Ethan Laird, which we'll get onto in a minute. But firstly, uh, two players are leaving the club. Um, we'll start off with uh, Hiram Balateng going back to Cambridge United uh, on loan to the end of the season. Um, believe uh, Hiram's actually injured a Pretty sure he had shoulder shoulder surgery um, fairly recently, and he's out till February at the very least. Um, Ross, I'll kick off with you. Um, of course, you know Haram was at Cambridge United at the start of the season. It seems to be doing well, so I'm assuming you think it's quite a decent move again for a midfielder. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's quite clear to see that he's not in Russ Martin's plans um, from obviously start the season, him being loaned out to Cambridge first of all, but um, I think it just suits both parties um, he's getting his game time and um, we, we're seeing him getting the game time he obviously deserves, but um, overall um, I feel like it's an opportunity to get other players um, who fit the Russell Martin philosophy and um, 
yeah, I wish him all the best. Yeah, definitely. And um, hopefully he's back on the uh, the grass soon from his injury and, uh, yeah, back, back playing for Cambridge. Um, Joe, do you think that, um, say, Haram has a decent loan spell again at Cambridge, do you reckon um, Don's will consider sending his contract again or do you reckon he's a... Uh, uh, his time at the Dons has, you know, come to an end. I mean, I think, I mean, Russ played with him for one, uh, for a season. Um, and also, you know, he's been manager of him for a year as well. So that's, you know, he's been with, he's been with Russ for like two years or so now. And I, th- I think, um, I, th- I think, I think Russ seems to have made his mind up on him. And, you know, he's, it, with Piram, it's I think it's just consistency because we've all seen the flashes of brilliance which he had, but yeah, it, I think I think League Two level he is probably where he's at at the moment. And good luck to him. And I also think you know he was brought in when we when we were in League One by Paul Tisdale, and I'd hazard a guess that him and I'm sure we'll come on to um Cargill. I'd hazard a guess they're probably on wages befitting of a player that's actually going to be starting. Um, so if we can just have a little shuffle around, you know, and do almost like what we did with Gilby. Um, you know, invest the funds elsewhere, and 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 use the money to our advantage, and 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 to improve the squad, or well, or even to improve the first eleven. And yeah, yeah that would be brilliant. Yeah, I mean, if you believe the uh, the figures that have you know often been sort of, I suppose, I suppose leaks is the way of putting it um, regarding players' wages. Then uh, the wages of Haram and uh, Bailey, who we're going to in a short second, um, yeah, they could be used on a you know, maybe another loan signing or even a permanent signing. He potentially could be available, you know, who's maybe not getting the game time he wants at the club he's currently at. So yeah, I think it can definitely be, um, you know, added back to the squad rather than putting the piggy bank for uh, the summer maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, Joe, you kind of alluded to it. Um, of course, one player's. Um, future MK Dons definitely not in doubt in Bailey Cargill who's moved on to Forest Green Rovers in League 2 you know looking to get a promotion push up to League 1 um, I did a little brief sort of um, overview for the Forest Green fans on a podcast at the FGR pod on Twitter um, which is I believe coming out at the same time as this so if you want to listen to that me talk a bit about Cargill um, on there you can do um, we'll leave the link to the to the podcast on our description um, so yeah Ross I mean obviously Bailey was signed also during the Portis del when he first came in in League 2 um, are you surprised that Cargill's left and joined League 2 Forest Green Rovers I was surprised to see him go in this window in the sense of um, cover and all that I know um, there's reasons why centre-halves um, are out of um, contract um, free agents, we can go in the loan market, but um, I just feel like it just wasn't. It's the same with Boateng. It just wasn't um, suited for him. For him, um, he wanted first team football, and we couldn't guarantee him that. And um, he's obviously had to bite the bullet and look elsewhere. But I feel like League Two, um, we saw him under obviously Tisdale. He actually sh- um, had a few moments. And um, it, it seemed like League Two was at his level, but at the end of the day, he just needed to be consistent. And at times at Milton Keynes, um, he wasn't. And that's probably what's cost him his contract. 
Yeah, I mentioned on the uh, the pod on top of the hill, um, the Forest Green podcast that I paid on that. I feel for me the main thing was his lack of consistency that really hampered him. You know, um, he has had like a few injuries, but they haven't been major ones. It was just, I felt for me, as soon as he stepped up to League One, as you mentioned, Ross, he, his form just dipped and he didn't really step up. He kind of just stayed at the level that he was at. And even after this, you know, whole lockdown period, he didn't really, he may have developed from a professional point of view, but from a footballing point of view, he hasn't seemed to do that incredibly or not incredibly well enough to, you know, get a starting spot back in the squad. Um, Joe, what are your kind of thoughts on the whole Cargill move and him taking the set down back to League Two? Yeah, I think I, th- I think with with Cargill again, he he has shown. I've, I've said it with both him, but he, you know, I think Cargill especially has really shown flashes of excellence. And I think back to John Caster game, first game of the season, what a fantastic run and goal, and so many times he would do that. But there, I mentioned it before about Cargill. Sometimes in the system we're playing, he would just take that risk, or you know, it's just. Um, I think you need someone. I, I, <laughs> You know, I don't think he's a bad player by any means, but I think maybe one of his weaker points was decision making, perhaps, and I think that you know ties in with the whole consistency um, thing. And yeah, he's young, and I, I just feel that maybe at this time, um, again, another player probably on a, a decent wedge. And you know, if you've got players on the bench that are probably on the same wages as people that are starting, you know, it's it's not it's not good, and you'd rather that money be distributed elsewhere in the squad. And I think you know if he's young. He wants. He's going to be want to be playing. And if if we believe that we can use the money that we would have spent on Cargill and Boateng better in other areas to immediately improve us, then I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, I mean, I I agree mostly. Um, the one thing to worry about is, as Ross mentioned, depth in a sense, especially that left centre back position where you know besides Lewington, I'm not really sure who can play there. Uh, consistently, um, Joe, did you have anyone in mind that you feel could you know slot into that role perhaps when needed? Well, yeah, and it ties us on to the the, the one in we've had so far um, is Ethan Laird, and I think Ethan Laird and I think Ethan Laird and Sorinola, I think are going to be the two that are competing for that right back spot. And I also think Sorinola, you know, he can stake a claim out on the left as well. But I think this is going to mean that Regan Paul is. Gonna, you know, in my mind, Regan Paul's got two people to get past if he wants a game at right wing back. So for me personally, I see Willow and Regan as as the the two like sort of backup centre backs behind Warren, Keo, and Louis. Um, obviously, Warren's out at the moment, so I think we'll see either Paul or um, or Regan there. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I think that. That that with um, with Laird coming in, I think it is going to mean that Regan's possibly now going to be look more look more to be played at centre back. Um, and what one and um, yeah, so moving on to Ethan Laird, I, I think it's just brilliant signing. I think we all, you know, that there's a quite a bit of fanfare on the Twitter on the um, on the Friday when we announced him, and you know, it, it is uh, well, I think he came on around sixty minutes or so, and he certainly. Uh, made quite an impression in some moments. Uh, you know, he, he's young, so he's going to make mistakes, but he looks a hell of an athlete. And one thing we've, I feel, really lacked this season is balance. And I think so often our attacks have just been all down the left. You've had, you know, Sorinola and Fraser linking up nicely, and more recently Fraser and Harvey. 
um, down that left channel. And I think it's nearly 50% of our attacks come from the left-hand side rather than the middle or the right. And I feel that if we've now got a really dangerous left wing back and we've got a really dangerous right wing back, you know, we're really going to be able to uh, stretch oppositions because before where they might have maybe given Regan Paul a bit more space because they might have thought that maybe Harvey was a bit more dangerous. You know, when you've got a choice of who to mark, Ethan Laird or Dan Harvey, well, they're both, I think, going to be extremely dangerous uh, uh, attackers. And and I, I, from what I've read as well, that the Man United fans seem to think that uh, he potentially could have gone to the championship. So, again, I just think it's testament to uh, Russ and the coaching staff that we're able to actually, you know, say to these clubs, look, we, we, we believe we're a good place for... For your players' development, yeah, definitely. Just quickly, um, for the left back, so the left centre back position, did you was it was your preference George Williams there? Sorry, I think I missed that. Yes, oh, yeah, sorry. I, so I, I was saying, I was like, I, I the, of it. <laughs> Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think Williams and Regan Paul are going to be the backup centre backs. Out of the okay. two, I'd probably say that George is the most likely to play that because I think I just think George is a bit bit of a safer bet. He's a, a safe pair of hands on. Yeah, so I was just interested to see what your opinions were on it because um, I do feel it's an interesting role in the squad now. Who's going to potentially back up Louis when he needs a rest? Um, yeah, so you you rolled into it quite nicely, Joe. Um, obviously, Ethan Laird, um, new signing, coming from United on loan, um, looks to be the new right wing back that. I kind of wanted in the squad. Who's my main priority anyway in the in the window? Um, and of course, the hope is that he's as good as everyone says he is. And from what he looked in the sixty minutes we saw him at the, um, on the weekend, as you mentioned, Joe, he looks pretty decent. Um, I'll just refer to some comments we had from people. You know, we asked um, our listeners, you guys, um, to give us some opinions on what you thought about Ethan Laird and what you saw of him. And um, you know, two people in um, Harris on eighty seven and um, J M Baron seventy five. Alluded to your balance comments, Joe, of how he, him and Harvey could work really well as like a duo on either side and give us that like potence going forward. Um, another comment that I stood out to me also was from um, Max Stolt, who does YouTube videos on uh, the Dons. Check him out if you haven't already. Um, but his Twitter is Max Salt underscore. And um, yeah, he was very impressed with um, Laird, yeah, um, which is yesterday, but he means um, Saturday as we're recording this. Um, you know, great close control on the ball and was willing to get out of defenders, which is kind of what we need from that role. And um, he can't wait to see what he does in the league, which I think we all agree with that. And um, I'll leave us with one more um, before we move on to Ross's thoughts. Um, Jack underscore Lily had spoke about how he's also very excited about Laird signing and um, he looks very good, according to him, as a prospect. Um, and as sort of Max kind of said, confident on the ball and he feels that his pace going forward might be something that we've been lacking a bit. So, yeah, on the whole, um, fairly positive comments from everyone. Thank you very much for everyone's comments. And, um, yeah, I'll pass it over to you, Ross. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on Ethan Laird based off what you've seen from you know, Man United fans and his clips from Man United and the 60 minutes-ish we saw against Burnley? Yeah, when, when he signed, it was all this rave from um, the Man United fans. And I kind of didn't batter an eyelid, so you know what they were um, some Premier League club fans are like, I won't name them, but um, yeah, they just, they get over, they, these youngsters get overhyped and then they fail to deliver, but I I judge players when the, due, uh, down to their performances on the pitch and um, when Laird came on, he certainly looked menacing down there, 
down that wing back role. But um, it's just it's it's actually um, amazes me that only he only had like one day with a club and he's already putting performances like that. So it is promising, and um, let's hope he can get on the training ground and start uh, learning and playing out from the back. And uh, let's see where it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even a day; it was it was even twenty four hours. Like oh, I think. Yeah. What he joined up with the boys at Lancashire FA sort of facilities, and then yeah. So by the time they got on the coach to go to get to the game, it wasn't even twenty four hours since he joined, and he was um, yeah, coming off the bench and did really good performance, and you know he's really energetic. Uh, as, as people said, really pace, you know. I think it's referred to quite a few times in the comments, but you know we we took on like five men and got fouled um in the opposition half. That's really impressive and exactly what we need and I feel you know yeah it's, it's alone people are going to me people might complain that it's alone but you know when you can get that type of talent um that type of talent and permanently isn't available in January but not not in league one anyway in terms of what we can attract to the club well, it's right for now, so. three or four million probably uh yeah exactly <laughs> and unfortunately <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that right now um but yeah I mean it's, it's it seems a great signing on paper, and what we've seen since sixty minutes um, on Saturday, it's certainly very promising. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he does. So we spoke a bit about uh, Ethan Laird's performance, but we'll move on to the actual team performance now. And uh, whilst um, of course we went to Burnley in the FA Cup and drew one-one in after extra time, and unfortunately lost four-three on pens, which. As the two gentlemen mentioned, and I'll allude to that as well, it was absolutely gutting to lose that game. Um, I'm sure um, you guys were aware that mine and Ross's prediction going on um, this well, this pod and obviously the Turfcast pod was that we'd kind of get a draw in the 90 minutes and then take it to pens um, and actually win it on pens. Unfortunately, we fell just short on that. Um, but, I mean, I think we're all going to agree with this, but... Is really, really, really proud of the lads for that performance. And um, it's certainly, if we weren't on the map already, it certainly put our team and Russ Martin on the map a lot more. Um, you know, we led the game for, what, 50, 60 minutes, something like that. And, you know, we really took it to a Premier League side who we knew weren't going to score goals, or not, not a lot of them anyway. Um, and I think the chances they did create Burnley, I think earlier in the season, a lot of them might have gone in just because of we weren't as sure uh, defending um, and... You know, some of the chances, especially the Chris Whipple where he hit the side net in, I think that one was as clear example of showing that fight and really being clued up on how we play football now. And we're finally starting to see it. And we're coming to the business end of the season where we kind of need to be picking up these results. And uh, hey, if they, if they can do that every week, then we're going to be looking at the table rather than down, for sure. Um, Ross, I'll start with you. Um Aside from uh, just Ethan Led, how did you think the uh, boys played on Saturday against Burnley? I think, Liam, you just summed it up. It was just a performance to be proud of. To a man, um, we matched them, and you couldn't tell the difference between the two, two sides in my eyes. And I think I felt like it was fine margins which cost us. And it was in the last, what, 10 seconds, if that, of the game. And it was... I don't like to put blame on people, but it was down to uh, individual mistake or a lapse of con- concentration. But um, I won't go into that too much because for not 90 minutes of the game, we were perfect. But um, at that top level, as I say, it's fine margin of cost does. But um, it's very encouraging. But I just want to have a little shout out to uh, Scott Fraser. 
because of he's all we can applaud him for all of his attacking um, assets and all this. But at the weekend, he won seven out of 13 ground jewels and just shows that, yeah, he can do all this in attack, but he also loves getting back and helping his team out. And I feel like, especially under Russ Martin, you need players like that, um, especially when playing out of the back, because you're going to make mistakes. And um, I'm just hoping um, this brings out the belief and confidence in each one of the players and uh, we can take it into the Northampton and Posh game. Yeah, it's one of those few games where we didn't actually have too much of the ball. I think it was 45% possession on the whole. And, um, yeah, I mean, from a stats perspective, we well, were dominated in quotation marks um, in terms of like shots and chances created, things like that. But as you mentioned, Ross, you know, player, players like Scott Fraser, you know, really dug in that game and really showed why they get such plaudits, not actually not just for attacking play, but also for their teamwork and really believing in what we're doing. And I feel that performance on Saturday really showed that. And um, yeah, I was really impressed in, in, in general. Um, Joe, do you kind of echo my and Ross's thoughts? And what did you think in general for Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, I was, I was absolutely good. Um, you know, like, just like you guys. And I, But overall, the only thing I can feel is well, you know, I'm, I, I feel it was still a positive experience. Um, it, I, I feel, in, in general play, we more than held our own. But I mean, we spoke about it before. Sometimes it's just the quality in the boxes, where you know, almost every cross they put in, that it was a, a, their player was getting on the end of it, and they did create a good few chances. You know, like on the halfway line, you know, Chris Wood make, would look like look like Lionel Messi up against Dean Lewington. <laughs> And, and 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 this is I think this is one of the main differences between you know League One and um, and the Premier League is just the physicality of the players. Like some of the you know Phil Bardsley, he, he was you know, in especially in the first half, he looked you know he was so menacing and he was dealing with Harvey so well. I thought, and you know this is someone who you might not say associate as being one of the quickest people in the Premier League, but put him in you know against some League One footballs, you can just see that the sheer fitness and I thought the pressing you know by Burnley especially in the first half an hour was really really good but I felt once we actually settled into the game we, we were playing some really nice stuff and you know like, like I say the only difference I noticed in the game really between the two sides was just that that you know the quality of delivery because some of the crosses into the box from Burnley were absolutely you know fantastic and just the quality you know in terms of defending I mean Tarkovsky and me they're probably one of the top 10 centre-back partnerships in the league in terms of, you know, solidity. Um, so, you know, again, you know, you, you've got, it, it just shows that we can go and compete and that, we, you know, if we can do this against Premier League teams, you know, established Premier League teams, not just a yo-yo club, um, it, it really, it really is quite something. And, you know, at the end of the, I'm still maintaining, we, we, we drew the game at the end of the day. We didn't, we didn't lose it. We only lost it from a penalty shootout, which is basically a lottery. And I think as well that it's, this this performance was so important, I think, as well, just for confidence and momentum, because we had two wins before, uh, before you know, this sort of mini break. And um, I feel that, you know, it's just good to keep the momentum going with a, a good performance. And it's just, you know, it, it's almost like it's like a snowball. Just the belief is seems to be growing. We were playing with confidence and, uh, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, I suppose one positive take from it as well is that apart from the Papa John's trophy, we can fully focus on the league now. And, um, you know, 
people may laugh, but there's a chance. There's a chance if he strings some performances together, you know, we're not we're not too far off the playoffs. <laughs> we're really not. Um, it's, it's a whole lottery now that everywhere from us to like up to you know, the, the team are playing in the midweek um, on the weekend. Sorry, uh, posh. It's it's a complete lottery who's going to get in at the moment. You know, wanting to put string performances together and be right there come the uh, start of May. So you know if. And we beat Peterborough <laughs> five points behind them. Exactly. And, you know, we, we did work really well against Peterborough last time. And the hope is, of course, we can do that again. Um, of course, at their place, it's very difficult. And I've heard the pitch is in the best condition. So that's um, terrific news. Um, I think they had like a burst water pipe or something, which is ideal timing for us, considering we play on a poor pitch half the time anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joe, you mentioned about the quality of player and I think what I noticed in general was the power they put on their like just general passes and their shots is ridiculous compared to what we can. And I don't know why, I just noticed it a lot, lot more in that game than I did in any other game that I've watched. Um, I suppose it's maybe because we see these Premier League players taking on other Premier League players and it becomes a norm. But like some shots I saw from Wood and Goodmanson were just ridiculous. And I, I at times I couldn't believe what I was watching in a sense because it was that powerful and it just didn't seem real for some weird reason. Um, a topic that I will bring up, and I know I have a feeling you two are going to say or lean a certain way on this, is um, Lee Nichols. And of course, he was the man of the match easily on Saturday. Um, you know, nine saves and you know, six inside the box corner sofa score. Um incredible performance really and he kind of showed why he had the most saves in League One last season in my opinion he was just terrific and he was kind of the old Lee Nichols that we um, you know love and know from the, from the previous size that he's been in um, the topic that I'll bring up is uh, Ross do you think that Nichols deserves a chance again at being the first team goalkeeper in the league personally no because of Fisher, since he's came in, hasn't put a foot wrong um, in the sense of he's done exactly what Lee done at the weekend and not as obviously extreme as what Lee did because of, um, I think Joe alluded to it in the group chat, um, we're not going to be conceding that many shots each weekend. But um, yeah, I, I personally think Fisher's done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, but it's a bit strange with Nichols because of we always knew that he was a good shot stopper it was just a case of whether he can sort out his, sort out his feet and adapt his style to suit the system. And from the Oxford game, it, it showed that he couldn't adapt and he really struggled to command his area, something which Fisher, that's one of his strengths. So at the moment, until I see Nichols commanding his area, because of, as I said earlier, I don't like to uh, pinpoint out individuals, but he was at fault for the goal. If he, stuck, if he was commanding his area that ball wouldn't got to Vidra at the end of the day. So, um, overall, I'm more than happy with Fisher, considering um, his performances. In my eyes, I don't think he's done anything to to be uh, dropped for. So, at the moment, um, Fisher all day long for me. Yeah, it feels harsh to criticise at that performance, but you are right about the goal. Like The way he came out, just like putting his arms out and everything it was completely the wrong approach he should have you know kept his legs closed you know and not tried of well <laughs> let it go through and let it go back in the net which is what he did um 
Joe, I know you'll have um, pretty vocal points on the, the Nichols versus Fisher debates. I'll pass it over to you next. Um, what are your general thoughts on, you know, whether Lee, whether if Lee deserves a, a chance in the first 11 again in the league? Yeah, I, I put something that, so apologies is from Pete and something that people have seen. I, I posted that on Twitter about how, for me, there's, there's three main areas for a goalkeeper, and that's, you know, shot stopping. It's commanding your area, coming for crosses, um, you know, coming early for through balls, that sort of thing, and then distribution. And in my eyes, for this MK Dons team, there's two which are more important than the other. It's not to say that all three aren't important, but, you know, I think that distribution and commanding of the area are probably the two key factors for what we would look at, look for on a goalkeeper. Um, only Sunderland have conceded less shots on goal than us in the league. That shows you that we're not going to need, you know, someone that's always going to be busy and facing 20 shots a game because that just doesn't happen. We concede, I think it's like seven or eight shots on average per game. You know, there's only going to be a few saves needed of a goalkeeper. And we saw earlier in the season that, you know, one of the most important things is the concentration and, you know, it, it, all of a sudden, if there is a counter-attack, being alert, being ready, and I think one thing that Fisher's done really well is he's really decisive. He comes early. Um, his positioning has been great. And, you know, for crosses, it will just, just get rid of them, you know, just come for them, strong, assertive. And, you know, distribution, it, you know, at the end of the day, as a, you know, without sounding too, if you want, hipstery, um, at the end of the day, yes, goalkeepers are there to save shots. But I feel that in our system, we kind of we we do so well to limit the amount of shots against us that the benefits for having someone that can add to us attacking and also you know well it's the last line of defence as well in terms of just clearing up and sweeping up and being alert and I feel that I'd rather have an extra you know an extra almost an extra outfield player in terms of the distribution and and you know like my, like um, Ross said he's not really done anything wrong since he's been in the team. And I feel that he's added to us um, what going forward and in the build-up play. So, yeah, you know, Lee, I reckon Lee's a fantastic League One goalkeeper for a team that's, you know, maybe not going to have much of the ball, going to concede a few shots. But for, I think that that's the stuff that Lee's good at, saving plenty of shots. But is he as good at the, the stuff that I feel that, maybe Russ and, and the coaching staff maybe prioritise more in terms of distribution and command the air? I, I don't think so. Yeah, it's... um. I actually think... um. You, you guys disagree with me, and this is fine, but I actually think Nichols could get a gig at a championship. Um, as you said, oh, yeah, 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 not for a... Lower league, yeah, lower, not, not I think for, lower half championship. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Joe, like, not for teams that... You know, actually, to like like keep the ball a lot and need their keeper to be that you know sweeper keeper in a sense. But yeah, it's like a team who maybe sits back a bit more and doesn't really like you know is looking to stay in the league rather than uh, progress up it. I think Nichols could be a great player for someone like that, and I think he'll definitely attract offers in the summer, for which uh, I think inevitably he is going to move on from the club, um, which would be disappointing to say, disappointing to me because I've always quite enjoyed Nichols at the club. Um, but, you know, he's definitely going to attract interest and performances like Saturday are going to uh, do that even more. And, of course, 
he's probably going to play on Tuesday. Um, well, this game, the Fountain game has already happened when this comes out, but he'll probably get the gig on Tuesday as well and never chance to impress uh, in the Papa John's trophy. Also, I'd just like to mention that before Fisher came in, Lee Nichols was our number one goalkeeper. So, as we said with Cargill and Boateng, they'll be on first-team wages. They'll be, he'll be on a number one spot wage. So, we've got to say, Russ Martin's got to sit down and say, look, Lee, you're either going to be rotation goalkeeper or second choice, or the same with Fisher if he chooses Nichols. So, he's got to choose one of the two, and they've got to set, set the, that fate. I just feel like, um, as, as Russ said at the start of the season, we've got no time for passengers. And at the end of the day, if, if it frees up funds for elsewhere, you've got to do it. Yeah, I agree, uh, definitely. Um, you know, you can't, well, especially with the uh, salary cap now, there's not really any room for players to just be, well, I said Russell number one way just being the number two. It's just not, it's not reliable. It's not sustainable. And um, yeah, it's, it, unfortunately, it's got to go. And, um, and for his career as well, I'm sure he wants to play games. And I, I think he would easily get a, be a number one for, for the majority of League One teams that maybe don't put as much as an emphasis on the playing out from the back as we do. And I think there's you know absolutely nothing wrong with him as a goalkeeper. However, a goalkeeper in this system, I feel Fisher's a better fit. Yeah, I mean, I was quite surprised now maybe even in the summer, to be honest, Nichols. I mean, maybe the club just turned him down and obviously had that information. But uh, yeah, I was pretty surprised that he was still here coming start of the season. I thought, you know, after last season, he was pretty impressive. You know, he was, he was only really beaten out by like Premier League talent in like Nathan Trott, who's of course not um, AC Wimbledon anymore. Um, I think it's, but, he, yeah. did, he did cost us a few games as well as saving us in a few games, though. That's one thing to to remember. True, but I mean, yeah, of course he did. But I think he, I think yeah. he has kept us in games more than he did uh, cost us some. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I say it'll be. It's um, it's an interesting dynamic because I think it was pretty split among the fan base of, as to what to go for. So it was good to get your guys' thoughts on it. Um, so before we quickly uh, end part one, head to part two, I just wanted to um, brief talk about Northampton and Papa John's Trophy. Um, of course, this is coming up after, so we're just talking. Um, well, it would have happened by the time we uh, it's released. But do you guys think Should we that do two we're versions go... depend, depending on the result, Liam? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go positive first. No, um, I was going to ask you guys because um, obviously um, we spoke a bit about the, me and Rosso about the prize money in terms of the FA Cup and how much it would mean to the club right now um, on the Turfcast podcast for the Burnley preview. And um, the same kind of applies to this tournament, I suppose. So, you know, it's. It's a six, um, not six, a five-figure fee. Sorry for the winner, um, and of course that could go a long way to, you know, helping the club, especially in this time when there's, you know, funds are well pretty tight at better times, and you know the club has financially never done particularly well according to the uh, company accounts. So, do you guys reckon that um, Russ Martin is going to go pretty strongly in this game against Southampton to try and get through to the next round? Um, Joe, why don't you kick us off with your thoughts? Um. Yes, I do think he's going to go quite strong. Um, a couple of reasons. One, obviously, we have had a little bit of a break. So we haven't, you know, we, we had, what was it, maybe 10 days between the Swindon game and the Burnley game. So we have a, a little bit of a rest. Um, but yeah, like you say, the money as well. And also, I think we've seen from Russ, he's probably been one of the people that's 
more stronger, more strong teams in in this competition, and I, I believe it's forty grand um, if we win tomorrow. And just to put that in perspective, in the FA Cup, if we would have beaten Burnley, we would have, would have got sixty grand. So it's it's you know it's not that much less than winning in the third round of the FA Cup. And I think if we win that with two games from Wembley, is it? Two more wins from uh, Wembley? Yes. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I'll go with it. <laughs> um, we're being quarters. We're being so, yeah. quarters next. Oh, OK. So, yeah, yeah it's in. Yes. Yeah, and, and I think correct, I think yeah. I think it'll be a mix of I think there'll be a couple youngsters in there, but I think you know it's perfect game for the likes of Mason um, to just just get back into the fold. And who knows if you know maybe we'll see a little cameo from the likes of maybe Kasumu if he might be back. Um, I think I think Russ said he may be back for Peterborough, so it may just be good just for a twenty minutes here and there for some people. Um, so yeah, I, I think it will be a strong team. Yeah, I heard Mr. Serman's coming back as well, so he should feature. So that midfield could look a lot different from what we yeah, saw just against Burnley. Yeah, just a stiff neck, wasn't it, on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. yeah no contract issues or anything, luckily. Um, just a stiff neck. <laughs> so that's good. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on um, you know going into Southampton um, on Tuesday? Uh, are you, do you reckon we'll play a strong team? Um, I think it'll be a mix of both, in the sense of we'll have a bit of mixture of youth and uh, experience. I feel like this chance obviously obviously rest key players like obviously Fraser. You got your Louis and you especially Cammy Jerome. I know he's he's a man in form at the moment, but he needs a rest. And um, I think I'd rather him rest now than over obviously at the weekend. But um, yeah, I, I, I feel like we should take this serious because obviously Martin wants something to show for this season. And um, if he doesn't have as much success as much success as he wants in the league. He can uh, have something to show for in this cup if he does obviously try and get through, uh, through to Wembley. So overall, I, I do feel like this is a competition which we do need to take serious financially and um, and success at the end of the day because it just breeds confidence within the squad. But yeah, I, I do feel like we'll have a strong team tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, just look at the rest of the teams in the competition. There's some pretty tough early one teams left in there. You know, Hull City. Uh, yeah, Peterborough opponents on Saturday, uh, Oxford, um, well, <laughs> forces down Bristol Rovers, uh, of course, AC Wimbledon, Fleetwood. There's only one um, under 21 team left in Leicester City, who are, I know are a good team, they're always producing young talent. Of course, as we know, we've had a few here. Um, so, yeah, some test teams left. Um, hopefully, if you get knocked out um, in, the next, in the coming days and we can get through against Southampton. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for part one of the uh, podcast, uh, the sort of Burnley review and then the look ahead to Northampton in a sense, which is not really a look ahead because the game already happened by us as well. Um, but yeah, uh, part two uh, is coming up in a minute. We, we do a posh opposition overview with James or aka at Report Posh. Um, Ross uh, is not joining us for part two, but uh, so Ross, um, enjoy your week, mate, and we'll speak to you after Posh and hopefully three points against... Uh, Peterborough and the winning at Southampton would be nice um, but yeah um, hopefully enjoy part one and we'll see you shortly for part two this podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first 
Welcome back to uh, part two of the podcast, uh, the opposition overview to Peterborough United. Um, of course, not too long ago since you, you played posh ourselves, uh, Stadium MK. Um, but this time we've got a guest on to give us a breakdown of all things um, Peterborough United. So happy to welcome James, aka uh, the posh report, onto the podcast. So uh, James, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Excited to have a bit of a chat about the game that's coming up. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for taking the time out of your evening on Wednesday to have a chat with us. No, no problem. I'm always happy to happy to join in. Yeah, excellent. Um, of course, as you mentioned, it's not been a, a long time since we last played Posh, is it really? Under a month, I believe. Um, 1-1 draw. Um, how has Posh's form since that result been in terms of, you know, what results they've been getting? Have they jumped at the league a bit more uh, and things like that? Um, well, they... They've kind of miraculously held their position uh, because you. I think you messaged me last week about coming on the podcast and I hadn't properly looked at the fixtures and I was shocked because at that point, MK Dons was Posh's last match. Yeah. So yeah. Um, after that game, Posh had a coronavirus outbreak within the squad and a, a few players and I think the staff were uh, affected. Um, and therefore, they had to call off their next three matches and then they were due to come back on... 9th of January I think I'm doing the dates off my head now um, and I think it was the Ipswich called their game off from their end so it was about 25 days Posh went of no no games between here and then so came straight back into it at Lincoln last Saturday had a really good first half uh, went a goal up and ended up drawing that game one also not a bad result away but some worrying signs second half much like against MK Dons where the second half performance really passive um, and, and just not getting into the game and then yesterday played a Portsmouth team. And I think because they wanted some, some minutes in the guys, they played out basically the first team, full strength team Peter would put out. Portsmouth put out uh, reserves and a few few younger players and Posh, Posh beat them 5-1. But again, I wouldn't read loads into that because it's, it's a first team that played together a lot against, against a significantly weakened Portsmouth team. And Portsmouth had a, a young keeper in goal and he made quite a couple of errors to, for the goal. So... Thankfully, Posh is still in the playoffs. We were all expecting to, to drop down, but I think other teams perhaps didn't play and some of the playoff guys picked up some bad results. So so not jumped at the table, but the big thing is haven't haven't dropped down significantly. Yeah, so it sounds like the minute or the games that you've had postponed hasn't really affected the team too much in terms of um you know results wise. Obviously, of course, the games are gonna stack up later in the season, but that could be a good thing if you're on good form. Yeah, so the, the first 45 minutes against Lincoln, especially the first half an hour, probably the best posh have played all season, came in really fresh, really bright, pressing high up the pitch, something they really didn't do against MK Dons, where they sat off. And I don't think that was the plan to sit off against MK Dons. I think it just got a bit, I'm not sure if overwhelmed is the word, but when the game came in, they just didn't execute the game plan at all that they had. And, and that's happened a few times this, this year. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of positives to take since they've come back. The break doesn't appear to have affected them. If anything, they were struggling, putting in a few bad performances before before the break. Um, so if anything, it's maybe done them a bit of good, got those bad performances out of the system and, and come back a little bit refreshed. Obviously, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. The, the biggest thing probably that's happened is um, Shriki Dembele handing the transfer request, which is which has probably been dominating the talk, at least whilst there was, there was no games going on. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get on to the um, Dembele situation a bit later on. Um, but yeah, I think um, Joe had a question about the consistency of the posh team and uh, I'll let him, I'll pass it over to him. Yeah, um, thanks for coming on again, James. Um, 
just this is more a, a general question as well as um, specific to this season, but it almost seems as though every season Posh go into it and they're in the top three for the bookies. They've made some really impressive signings, but and, and they make, always make a really good start, but sometimes it just seems to fade away. And, you know, so I was thinking this season specifically, signing players like Sammy Schmodix, who absolutely ripped up last season. And, you know, of course you're up there, but what 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 would you put down Posh's just... To me, it's almost just a bit of inconsistency because one week you'll absolutely batter teams and then the next week you might see it just, just some below-par performances. What, what would you put that down to? Because I'd personally say you've probably got one of the strongest squads in the league. Yeah, sure. I think I'll, I'll answer that more generally and then I'll go a bit more yeah, specifically. Cool. So I think generally under Fergie, he is a bit of a streaky manager. He, he goes on really good runs. And when things are going well, it seems to flow. And, and you saw that back in the last season, maybe the last 10 games of the season. Yeah. They can, Posh can blow teams out. When things start to go badly, I don't think he's a particularly good man manager in, in terms of he's not going to put an arm around the shoulder and, and cajole them. He really wants the players to, he's always saying the players have to step up that, that sort of attitude. The other thing with him is he'll, as soon as something goes bad and there's a sniff of something going wrong, he'll chop and change. So even if you've won five games in a row, if you have a couple of bad performances, he's, he's, he's spinning that system, three players are going out, three players are coming in. Whereas often the answer isn't is maybe just to make minor refinements. He will make huge wholesale changes. We saw that against Portsmouth. So Posh had a couple of bad results whereby the performances were good, but the results themselves were poor. And then for the Portsmouth game, he brings a diamond back in, which Posh haven't played since January, so last season, and they got blown out wide, which shot horror. Portsmouth, the first thing they do is get the ball wide and you're playing a super now formation. Your fullbacks get over and who could have seen that coming, right? But then it's because he feels he has to change something. The other issue I think Posh have had in the past is they get off to a fast start, sometimes almost overperforming. I think, I don't know what it is perhaps about um, the, the, the start of the season, but often the results will be maybe a little bit better than the performances have been. But with the performances will still be pretty decent. Then you come to sort of December, January time, and very often with Posh's business model, they, they almost sign individuals, players who are there to then go on to their next step. And if you've got two or three players who are playing for a move, maybe they start looking elsewhere and, and, and wanting a move. And we've perhaps seen that, a little, seen that a little bit with Dembele, where his performance levels have dropped off maybe since the end of November in, in, in terms of that. Um, specifically this season, so one huge problem, or not problem, but one huge factor has been Ivan Tony leaving. So end of... So the strange thing with Fergie is Fergie likes to play possession-based football, but Posh under Fergie and this season are much better when they're playing direct, especially back in the last season, going direct into Tony when there's space. You've got Dembele and Schmodix, who, who you said it was awesome last season because he had a lot of space to either counter-press or run in behind. Um, this season, the long ball percentage has gone off dramatically, trying to build from the back a lot more. Not as extreme as Milton Keynes do it. They will, they will knock it along more than Milton Keynes, but a definite sh real shift. And I think part of the reasons you don't have them better, you've got Clark Harris, maybe not quite as good at linking players as um, Tony was, maybe not quite as mobile as Tony was, so they're not pressing from the front as much. And I think they're just trying to find solutions and chopping and changing a little bit. And the build-up is still isn't as good as it should be. So the issue for Posh, a lot of the games is if they are building up from the back and there's not, and they can't quickly counter, and there's no space for Schmodix, get one, getting the ball into the final third and then breaking teams down. 
what we've seen recently, which they haven't really done in the past, is now they're going wide and crossing it in a lot more, which Johnson class Harris, he's, he's got maybe a couple of weaknesses compared to Tony, but an area where he's definitely better is attacking a high ball in the box. He's That's awesome. How he scored against us. Yeah, and yeah. Against, yeah. against Lincoln in the first half now, Mons, Lewis Monster, who's had a huge fanfare about him, really good centre-back, dominated him three times in the box. Just He's so good at attacking that high ball. And even an average cross, which doesn't have much pace in it, he can, he can, he can head that in. So I think, I think this season has just been about, they've almost tried to transport the game order from last season to this season. It's not quite worked. They're still figuring things out. Schmodix has much less space to play in. And then we don't have really, because Posh signed Broom and then they signed Schmodix after, because I think they thought they weren't going to get him. So you've ended up with two very similar number 10s. So when there's not place and when you are building through the thirds and the team has maybe dropped back into a mid or low block, they don't really have that creativity. They, they don't have that ability centrally to create apart from Dembele, who will pick up and dribble. And then when Dembele's performances drop off, probably mid-November, end of November time, that's a huge part of their attack and threat gone. So I think there's quite a few a few reasons there, and, and hopefully that, that made a bit of sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant answer. I think we can kind of sympathise with losing Ivan Tony because we've totally had to sort of change our model with losing Reese Healy. And it's almost, you can't really replace the player like for like you know he's, he's probably what worth 25 million plus now isn't he after what he's been doing in the championship and so you've got to kind of try and replace the goals through the squad um so yeah i, I definitely understand and do you think as well um with the fact you, you've got quite a young squad as well and you know younger players it, it, you rarely get younger players that are consistent seven eights out of tens that week in week out so i guess that must be a, a factor as well yeah, I think I think that's a, a good point in terms of maybe the, the makeup of the players and and the players almost not so much this season. I think this season there is more of a team and squad feel. But in the past, you've definitely had individuals. Individuals mm. who are there to look good and, and playing for a move. And that's been a factor. This year we've seen a slight shift in terms of the sort of players Posh are signing. So it's very rare for them maybe to sign an over 24, 25-year-old player. They were trying to get them, you know, as they were coming through and with sell-on. Um, you get the odd exception, especially in defence, like Beavers came in last the summer before this one, trying to short the defence with Mr. Mixed Impact. But what we've seen this season is in signing Clark Harris, in signing Smodix, in, in signing Reese Brown on loan, all players who are like 25, 26 they don't, want to, they don't want to go too high in terms of age bracket, but they're definitely trying to sign peak age players. And I think what sort of spooks Dara a little bit is the wage cap in that Posh's, most of Posh's players are in the contract until end of next season. So you've basically got a two-season window to get out before you're renewing those contracts. And then if you're not in the championship, he's got a real issue in terms of then having to rebuild the squad completely with the wage caps because he can't get everyone in on the same prices because most of posh players will be over the average wage and without, you know, I'm sure most yeah, of them understand yeah. that. So that, of course, a load of issues. So I think that's led to a slight rethinking re recruitment in terms of signing players for now and debt, like posh are desperate to get out of this division. Um, and I think that's the main one is the, it's probably been a little bit too long in league one, considering they've, the amount of money that's been spent, but the other one is if they don't get out in the next two seasons, I think it's going to be a real, a real rebuilding job and it could have a few issues come the 20, what would that be, 22, 23 season? 
Yeah, there's, there's so many factors flying around it. I know for a fact we've had to cut our wage bill as well, which has, has led to, you know, we've signed a few experienced pros like Cameron Drome and Richard Keogh, but also we're, you know, using our youth players a lot more, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see that younger players being given more of a chance. But yeah, like you say, um, you do need those peak age players as well to really make an impact. Um, I think uh, uh, Liam's uh, next on next question. Yeah, um, so you mentioned a few players in uh, Streaky Dembele and Johnson Clark Harris, who are, I'm sure, key players for this posh team. But are there any other players in your squad that come to mind in terms of you know key players that have really so far this season put posh where they are on the table? Yeah, so I think Dembele at the start of the season was was the standout player, um, and but his performances have dropped off, and maybe posh haven't had one real standout star but they've had they've had maybe four or five have done some some really good jobs so uh main i'd say the behind Dembele the next one who's going to get a big move is Jack Taylor central midfielder uh really good center mid can play six eight he has played ten as, as well for Posh so quite versatile good skill set he's, he's big he's strong he gets around the pitch but he's also technically good can spray a ball can score a goal decent on his left and right foot uh, especially the the main reason Posh played so well in that first half an hour against Lincoln when they came back was he was on the front foot winning the ball high up the pitch, got lots of energy. He's he's a real key player. He cost Posh half a million plus add-ons going up to a million from Barnet in the National League. Um, but already Posh had a two million pound offer coming from the championship they turned down for him reportedly. So, it, it, it's, you know, it seems to be money well spent there. Um, another one who seems to be coming back into the side is Joe Ward, who um, will play right wing back. So, in the last game, I think the last game was quite a good opportunity for Milton Keynes because the impression I get of you guys is, is most of your attacks come down the left-hand side with Fraser creating in those little pockets of space and that's maybe where you're the most I dangerous. Know. And Posh had Idris Carney playing at right wing-back, um, so play a similar formation that Posh played 3-4-1-2 and will likely play that again. Um, and Carney is, is like a powerful attacking player, but in the past, he's played centre forward or right wing, and he's been converting to right wing back. And positionally, he was he was really really poor, um, and therefore a lot of the Milton's joy in that game came down that side. One with the quality you have, but also with uh, Carnu positionally being out of position a lot, creating a lot of space. Brown having to go over and cover him in that area, um, and then the knock on effect of having more space centrally. So I think that played a huge part. Whereas Ward is good in attack, but also good defensively, gets up and down the pitch, links well with players who like pass and move, had a really good assist yesterday, which was his comeback game and will probably start. And then one who's missing is, is Nathan Thompson. So I'm pretty sure against Milton Keynes, he, he had to get subbed off because he picked up a yellow and looked like he was about to get sent off. And that's kind of been the issue with him. And he actually got sent off in the Lincoln game, so he's suspended for this game. Um, when he's on the pitch, he is probably Posh's best defender. Um, and he's been playing right centre-back and or more recently central centre-back. But for me, the position he drives forward, really good on the ball, but strong defensively. His issue is he commits a lot of fouls and keeping him on the pitch. And that's going to be a big loss on Saturday without him. And the player who would have come in for him is 17-year-old Ronnie Edwards. He's having to self-isolate. So there's going to be a bit of a reshuffle in the back three and a rethink of the back three, which, which could cause issues. So he's one who's not there, but the impact of him missing out might have a key key factor in the game. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about the majority of attacks down the left-hand side, actually, because, um, of course, one of our new recruits, Ethan Laird, who we are expecting to come back into the team against, uh, on Saturday, 
we're hoping that he can introduce more of a balance to the squad um, because we've brought Bailey Cargill moving on to Forest Green and our attacks were, as you said, predominantly down left-hand side, but Laird coming in, he's quite an energetic and um, attack-minded player playing at right wing back. We're kind of hoping that he can push further forward that side of the pitch and, you know, not make it so one-dimensional in terms of what to expect from, you know, like the likes of Dan Harvey, Scott Fraser, as you mentioned. And, um, yeah, I suppose, I think when we reviewed the first game, Joe, we took a lot about Joe Ward and how we thought he'd play. Um, but obviously we weren't maybe clued up on a situation regarding his fitness. Um, so, yeah, that'd be interesting to see him come back into the team because when we researched it the first time, it was clear to see how pivotal he was to that posh team. So, uh, yeah, that could be a nice little addition back for posh on Saturday for sure, as you mentioned, James. Yeah, I think I think with Ward, he's a really interesting player. So, last year he was in and out of the side when posh were playing in a diamond, didn't really fit in. He's always played right wing, convert to right wing back. And his if you if you said in the summer he was going to be one of Posh's most important players in those first ten games, I don't think anyone would have believed you. But just his performance level, and his he's always been consistent. But he's always been like a consistent six or seven. But he was consistently putting in eight or nine out of ten performances. And just just he's not he's not an explosive wing back in that he's going to drive past you or dribble past you. But what he will do is get the ball, play quickly, and then make a clever run past. And and his final board improved a lot. And I think he's got. I could be wrong. He's got like six or seven assists. I think might be seven assists this season for minimal game time. Um, definitely Posh's biggest assister. So him coming back in the team and also the balance he brings to the side because he's defensively much better than the other wing backs who Posh or the other alternative in Carney who Posh have at right wing back will be hopefully a big posh, uh, positive for Posh. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. Um, I believe the inevitable question about Sriki Dembele is about to come up for now, uh, James. <laughs> Um, yeah, so do you want to just, uh, maybe for people that aren't quite as clued up on the situation, just give us a, a kind of overview of this, the Sariki Dembele timeline. Is he still playing and what, what's actually going on? Should, do we, should we expect to see him on Saturday? Um, first and foremost, if he's not sold between this podcast coming out or us recording it and Saturday, he's going to play. Um, almost certainly. So, so timeline is, we got back, it was just after... New Year and I think everyone was a bit shocked by the fact that it just came out of nowhere he'd handed the transfer request I think he handed it was on a Wednesday I can't remember if it was last Wednesday or the Wednesday before last because lockdown it all blurs into one right well, it, was, yeah. it was it was either two weeks ago or a week ago today as we're recording um, and it came it came a bit out of the blue to everyone and at that point I think everyone just expects him to leave so since then bit of a strange one with McCartney, the owner has come out and really blasted his agent, said it's the agent, it's turned his head. He's got a really good family around him. The player's a great guy, you know. I can't believe this has happened. The strange thing with that which is that his agent is a relative, is a family member. I'm not sure exactly which one, but he's represented <laughs> much family. So that's a really strange comment on the one hand, blasting the agent and the family. But I think there's a bit of deflecting from McCartney in that regards. Uh, McCartney does his Hard Truth podcast. They come out in the last uh, in the last one. So last week's episode, he said the transfer request has not yet been accepted. Um, and I think the anticipation is essentially if Posh get the rights sort of offer to come in for the player, the anticipation is he will be sold. Um, the thing is, there seems to be a discrepancy between the prices, the, the, the values that's being quoted. So his most likely destination is Scotland with Rangers or Celtic. It seems as though it's, it's a strange situation. I 
I know the the Peter United reporter, and he said there's you know it's personal, but they've not been able to report the reasons yet. So it it and that's fairly common knowledge now is that the he wants to move for personal reasons. His family's based in Scotland. His brother plays for Celtic in in the youth team, and and he seems to want to quite strongly want to move up there. So Celtic or Rangers seem to be. I know loads of championship teams linked with him, but it seems if he does move, he's going to move up there. Um, the issue seems to be the prices in the papers being reported are about two million pounds, and I think Posh are probably after double that for him. Um, I, I, I think I think if an offer of say three million plus substantial add-ons to take it up to five or six, kind of like the Tony deal, the upfront fee, but then if if he you know a, a good sell-on and appearance fees and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, I think they take it. Um, but it does look as though they're not going to get that money this window. So the message seems to be to the player, get your head down, you know, do essentially what Ivan Tony did, because Ivan Tony wanted to go to Brentford in last January and Posh turned the offer down. Um, and then he came back and he and he was sensational. And I think he went there and doubled the money they were offering him in the first place because there was a lot more competition for his signature come summer. So I think the message to them barely has been get your head down be the best player in League One, fire us hopefully into the championship. And all of a sudden, not only are we getting higher transfer fee, you're getting higher wages. Obviously, we don't know how that message is going to go through. Since his transfer request, he's played against Lincoln. He got a load of criticism for his performance against Lincoln, got subbed off uh, fairly early in the second half. I don't remember exactly, but around about the hour mark. I thought he did okay, but the expectation with him is that he, you know, he's the main man, so the, the expectation is really high. He's, he, he, he wasn't at his best, but he looked like he was trying. He didn't look like he completely sacked it off. Um, and then against uh, Portsmouth yesterday, scored a goal. For, for a trophy game, worked really, really hard. You could see he was trying. And I think, I think he's trying to show that he is, he is happy to stay and play. I'm not sure what you guys thought of him when uh, he played against Milton Keynes, but that was one of his like poorer performances in that... I actually, I actually watched with the opposition commentary on and, and the commentators were like really keen on him because he was so pivotal to Posh. But even that performance was, you know, it was for him, it was maybe a six out of 10 performance and he was holding the ball too long and, and, and giving it away too much. But he was still so vital to how Posh set up in terms of getting between the lines and, and carrying the ball forwards and offering a creative threat that I think, you know, if, if he's not in the team, Posh don't have a player who can do that role and you're having a re real rethink of the game model. So he's, he's really, even if he's not on top, top form, he's still a really important player. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't start on Saturday. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just on, on the game against MK, I thought, I thought, I didn't think he played awfully, but I thought we, I thought that what Russell Martin did with just putting David Kasumu on him, I thought that worked quite well to just keep him quiet rather than him having a poor game. I just thought, like we we did quite well to keep him quiet, but whenever he did get the ball, it was almost I, I get what you're saying. There's almost that sense of anticipation that he has to make something happen right now, or you know, or it's, it's you know not necessarily you know a great performance. And you know, but he, he does you know have the looks of a great player. Um, and, and just sort of on that note, what any ins and outs, any rumours, any are you looking to get any any players in, or are any looking at going out? What, what's the situation with the transfer window in general? So it, it looking, it's looking like it's been quite quiet. So in terms of signing players, if Posh are going to sign an over-21 player, it seems as though they'd have to sell one first because of the, I think they're right up against the wage cap. 
they they may I think they've probably identified one or two who would go out um, potentially and who they've made even there's one there's there's Louis Reed who's come into the League One squad he was originally not in it when they were looking to get one more in the in the summer the area they were looking to recruit in the summer was actually right wing back with Ward coming back in the side and and playing really well I think that's quite unlikely so it seems as though if if Dembele leaves obviously they're going to look to bring someone in. If that doesn't happen, I think we're looking at recruiting a couple of younger players from League Two and from uh, the National League to go into the youth team rather than going to the first team. Um, and plus, you've sent out a couple, uh, one on loan, a younger player on loan already, and there's a couple of rumours of one or two others younger players going out on loan. But in terms of the impact on the first team, if Dembele doesn't go, I'd be quite surprised to see someone come in unless they because unless they bring a long-term replacement for him now, because we know he's leaving in the summer if he doesn't go now. So I think it's going to be quiet at most, maybe see one or two come in, maybe see one or two go out, but I wouldn't be surprised if absolutely nothing happens this window and it's the, the same team going through. Okay. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Well, I mean, like you say, you, you, you do have a good side. It's just about being a bit more consistent perhaps and, and just, um, yeah, just, just being more consistent. Um, I think Liam's just going to sort of round us off now um, and, looking forward to Saturday yeah um, usually if we're off you know views James we um, do our predicted starting 11s at this point so um, I'll kick us off with my predicted Don starting lineup. Um, so after a two game break I'm going to go with Andy Fisher back in goal and then um, the typical 3-5-2 setup so I'm going to go with Laird come back to the team right wing back and then um, with O'Hora only just get back to the grass I think George Williams will deputise at right centre back with the usuals of Richard Keogh and Dean Livington alongside him. Um, Dan Harvey, left wing back, um, is the best option there at the moment. Um, then I think it'll be Lassa, Fraser and Gladwin as a midfield three. Um, it could easily be Serban for Lassa. Um, I just think Lassa's a bit more accustomed to that role um, as a pivot in a sense. And I think, um, if I remember correctly, he did okay last time he played against Peterborough. So I feel he could be a decent position that as a player of that position there and um, I'm going to say that the new signing Brown comes in straight away and starts um, against Peterborough with, alongside Jerome um, Joe is your lineup fairly similar to mine from Don's perspective um, yes exactly the same <laughs> oh, exactly the same <laughs> um, well. yeah um, the only uh, the only potential changes I could see is obviously in that midfield um, w- when we played against Peterborough the first time the, the key feature of that midfield was the legs and yeah. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Sorensen and Sermon starting just because like we mentioned earlier the threat of um, Dembele it, it's so great and I, I feel that as well um, I think Williams will be starting over Paul purely because of Clark Harris and we met, uh, James mentioned how good he is in the air and I think Williams is probably one of our best players in the air. And I mean, well, last time um, he scored from a cross. Um, so I think just making sure we've got some really solid uh, centre-backs just to make sure um, that doesn't happen again, I think it will be, will be quite important. Yeah, and I think, um, not that he struggled Richard here, but I feel for the goal especially, he's highlighted his... He showed to deal with um, Clark Harris for that particular moment. So, yeah, I think I many think, do. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. Um, you know, I think you're right in saying. I think I think both right in saying George Williams should uh, keep his spot there and uh, yeah, start. I wouldn't be whilst... surprised to see Mason start as well up front because I think uh, yeah. He, although without being dangerous, I think he's he keeps the ball quite well. He presses well and he uh, he links up play 
okay. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. But if Brown starts, yeah, again, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on... Um, like, I know Brown's played a bit over the last month and a half, but it's no, it's no substantial minutes, to say the least. So it all depends on his personal fitness and how he trains this week, I think. Um, but yeah, Mason could come in with Jerome. And, you know, we saw against Southampton how they were, um, you know, capable enough to score, well, to help score twice and, um, you know, get a result. So, yeah, for sure. Um, James, what are your thoughts on a potential posh lineup heading into Saturday? Yeah, sure. So I think it's a lot of the team picks itself, and then there's a few there's a few positions where really not sure how how Fergie is going to go. So in goal will be Christy Pym. Um, Pochettino played a four two three one or a three four one two this season. I think with Thompson being out, there's an argument to switch to the four, but I'm expecting to go with the back three. Um, what that would look like, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think the most likely situation is that Kent plays at right centre back. Um, Mark Beavers centrally in the three, and then Niall Mason on the left. In recent games, Thompson's moved into centre with, with Beavers going left, but I think that was more to try and stop Thompson getting booked as much, which clearly hasn't worked <laughs> since he's now suspended since doing that. Um, but that looks like the most likely option. Beavers, I much prefer centrally. He's, um, he's, he's not the quickest. He's, he's very slow and cumbersome in that left-hand side and can be outdone for pace, and he's not the best passer, which really gets exaggerated there. So I think that's the back three. Right wing back, looks like War's going to come back into the team. Um, got 45 minutes on Tuesday, so I'd be surprised if he didn't play. Left wing back, you've got a bit of a debate over whether Dan Butler or Harrison Burroughs plays. So Butler was the starting wing back. Burroughs, who was, he turned 19 yesterday, so he's, he's a youngster, um, came in and, and did really well. He's previously played as either left wing or a number 10, so did, did very well in that role. Um, I think Burroughs might hold on to the position. So, uh, central midfield then, Jack Taylor's absolutely nailed on. First name on the tee sheet going to start. Next to him, you've got a bit of debate whether it's going to be Reese Brown or Ethan Hamilton. So Brown has been starting there. Um, he's done okay. He's a little bit lightweight. He doesn't quite have the legs that Hamilton has. Really good technical player on the ball. But you can see Fergie's getting a bit annoyed with him. So I'm going to say Hamilton's going to start, which he hasn't done much. But I think he, he just gives more legs. And I think if Posh want to play on the front foot, I think it's important for him to come in the team. Um, and then the rest of the team picks itself. So it's going to be Schmodix at number 10, Clark Harris and Dembele up front. OK, yeah, sounds a pretty strong team, to say the least. And uh, another tough game for uh, both teams, I'm sure. Um, and that could reflect in our predictions. Um, so we'll get into those. Uh, Joe, what's your prediction for Saturday travelling to uh, Peterborough? I, I think it's going to be a really tough game. I really do. Um, I'd, I'd take a one-all draw right now if you offered it to me. I think that'd be a brilliant point away um, to a good team. I don't think Peterborough... Um, I don't think they're going to be... I don't think they were bad when we played them, but I don't think that they're going to be... I think they'll be much better than when they were last time. So I think I'm going for one all draw. I'll go for one all draw. Yeah, I think Peterborough has to be better than they were last time if they want to um, get anything from this game, I think, because we're, we're better now, I think, than we were in that game, uh, personally. So I'm expecting both teams to kind of step up in this one. Um, and both teams have got a fair bit of firepower, to say the least, now. So I'm expecting both teams to cause each other problems. And... Um, I've gone for a high score in 2-2 draw. So, yeah, I, I'll take a point certainly for this result. Um, and, yeah, I mean, any point on the road is a good point in my eyes. 
Um, James, what are your thoughts on a prediction uh, for Saturday? Yeah, so I'm I'm not huge on Posh at the moment. In that I think I think we're I think we're a decent side, but I, I don't think the sum is as great as the parts, if that makes sense. I don't think we've quite clicked into gear and, and found a really good way of playing. At, at Posh's best, they've been really solid defensively, and therefore um and then the attacking players have almost carried them through the games and built upon that. Really concerned about defence this weekend with um Thompson being out and and um, Edwards, who would have come in, also being out, and I don't like Niall Mason in that left centre back role. Um, I want, I want to say one 0 I think, I, I, I can see it. I can see the game going whereby Posh start really well, get on the front foot, get the press working well, Wimbles high up the pitch and really dangerous. I can also see the game going whereby Posh sit off and get overrun, and 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 end up losing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on the on the fence. One thing worth saying, which we're not covered yet in the podcast, is the pitch at London Road at the moment is terrible. It's um, they've had some they've had some issues with it, and it's it's like the the right hand side of the pitch, as you're looking from the camera or the near side, I should probably say, is just mud. Um, it's it's really cut up. And do you attack I, that first half or second half? Is that what's that? Do you, do you attack that side in the first half or in the second half? Um, so it's just the near side, so like along the uh, oh, oh, the whole, side yeah, right. yeah, okay. yeah, along, along right, the line, right. basically. I thought you meant the half, so, um, <laughs> so I, I kind of see that you, you like Posh did okay passing the ball on it on Tuesday, but then it's probably gonna be in worse condition now that it's been played on on Saturday, uh, especially depending on what the weather does between, between now and then, which isn't likely to be great. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think that would maybe have more of an impact for MK than Posh, because I think Posh would be happier just if the pitch is really bad, going into Johnson Clark Harris and, and playing long and playing that way. Whereas, especially about Morris, and and even with Morris, you didn't really you didn't really look to do it much anyway. I, I don't I don't see MK moving away from those principles of building from the back. So if it I'm not saying I think it will help Posh because Posh do look to play out as well. But if, if it's going to hamper anyone more, it's going to hamper MK more that that situation. Yeah, Russ, um, Russ Martin, our manager, has been very um, critical of our own pitch. Our own pitch has had its own problems the past couple of months. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was the same way as it was against Posh in the reverse fixture. So, yeah, he's not going to be very pleased with the condition of the pitch, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nothing they're not used to already. But it certainly hampers the play style 100%. So, yeah, thank you uh, very much, James, for coming on uh, once again. Um, if there's anything you'd like to plug, then feel free. No, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need to plug anything. Oh, well, I'll plug something for you anyway. I doubt, <laughs> um, I doubt, I doubt any Milton Keynes fans would much, want much posh content anyway, do they? Oh, well, yeah, you never know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, James is... Toast. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, James's Twitter is at Report Posh if you want to um, follow him there and um, I believe he just released um, his January Transfer Window podcast um, at the Posh Report on Spotify and other platforms if you want to listen to that then um, feel free um, but yeah James thank you once again for coming on and um, best of luck for Saturday Okay, so we only planned originally for um, two parts of this episode, but um, of course, with how the current times are, unexpected plans uh, come up and we've got a part three. Um, yeah, so we covered um, Cargill and Barrett moving on earlier in the episode and of course, um, Ethan Laird coming in. 
Well, um, today we've had another arrival, another departure. So, um, yeah, a lot of things happening in the Milton Keynes this week. Um, we'll start off with the departure, I suppose. Uh, Steve Walker has been recalled, um, as a mutual recall, um, back to Middlesbrough. Um, you know, he's his second loan here. Um, you know, obviously got the two goals midweek against Northampton to put us through to the next round of Papa John's Trophy. Um, so, yeah, back to Middlesbrough now. I'm assuming he may go out on loan again. Um Joe, what are your just overall thoughts on uh, Walker's time for a second time here and his recall back to Middlesbrough? Um, I think I think it's a shame. I think I think it is a shame, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily a disaster. I think with Walker, he, he had his moments of real quality, and he always there, everyone knows that there is a player in there, and perhaps we just didn't see that often enough. And you know the reasons listed um, listed in the article were just just about playing time. And it's completely fair enough. At the end of the day, he's what 19, 20 years old. He's and he, the, the, I think maybe Middlesbrough or maybe he himself expected to be playing a bit more. I think it's five starts in the league. Um, so I don't think it'll be a massive loss. I think it's a shame because I do think he's a good option to have. Um, and I'd like to potentially hope that we've maybe got something lined up for us to actually let this happen in the first place. Um, so yeah, I, I feel you know it's a shame it didn't work out, but. It seems that everyone's sort of left on good terms. He did have a good spell. He he did play his part in a few games. Um, so, we, you know, we thank him for that. And hopefully he can maybe get a few minutes at Middlesbrough or potentially go to a, maybe another League One side where he, he will get a few more minutes. Yeah, I know. Um, I saw quite a few crew fans were keen to get him back at uh, well, back there. So that'll be interesting to see if that happens. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, once this signing got announced today, I wasn't overly shocked that Walker got recalled. Um, and as you said, Joe, like, yeah, the, that loan that Walker was using could be utilised elsewhere in the squad. And, you know, when Russ spoke earlier in the window, he did speak about maybe bringing multiple players in the area of the field in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd expect that to be utilised, um, whether that be the near future before Peterborough. Hopefully not, fingers crossed for us, because we don't want to release a part four. Um but, you know, before the window ends, um, I'm sure that will happen eventually. Um, but, yeah, best wishes to Steve and um, hopefully he, um, you know, gets some game time at Middlesbrough or elsewhere this season. Liam, just just quickly, and I suppose this might kind of ties in with the Charlie, the sign-in of Charlie Brown, which we'll, we'll get on to. But do you think we now need to replace Steve Walker? Um, no. No. Uh, I, well, I've made opinions on Charlie Brown, who, well, we kind of merging this topic into it anyway. I personally don't. I feel Charlie Brown can offer what Steve Walker did offer, plus a bit more. Um, I feel that when, there's, there's quite a few people compared this Brown to Morris, and I don't see it yet. Um, I feel he's more of a receiving mould type of player. And I'm not saying he's Reese Healy, um, for everyone says that, but he's a bit more, he's good, he's good on his feet. He's, you know, he's quite confident on the ball. He's clinical. Um, I think he had a bit more decisiveness than what um, Steve offered. Um, so no, I don't think we should, we should be, we shouldn't be utilising this loan if we did utilise it there to replace Steve Walker. I feel we could be better off maybe trying to get an advanced midfielder in, um, someone who could maybe change up the formation a bit more. I think there's no need to bring another striker in, um, especially when we've got some players coming back in the near future who can help out the team. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, so Charlie Brown signed today. Um, really happy about this signing, actually. Um, 
I I've been watching. Well, I watched like under three football anyway in the teens football, and uh, yeah, I kind of had my eye on Brown since twenty seventeen when he's playing for Chelsea, um, and he's kind of gone on strength strength since then. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, he's twenty one year old, um, was playing for Chelsea in the twenty threes, um, scored fifty three goals at youth football, was one of the most prolific youth league strikers in a long time. Um, and they signed for Chelsea signed for Nietzsche Academy uh, firstly, and then he had um, a couple of loan spells in Belgium for the same club. Uh, most recently, um, the one at the first half of this season. Um, to be honest, he quite he quite struggled um, in Belgium. Didn't get too much game time, and I think it was a tough first loan for him going abroad. I think unlike some Chelsea youngsters who you know, go to like, likes of Vitesse, they tend to excel. Um, he didn't really, and um, I think that was one of the main reasons why. Uh, Russ might have managed to get uh, Charlie Brown because he had six months left on his contract, as far as we're aware. And, um, you know, Chelsea perhaps didn't see what they wanted to see him in terms of development, so they let him go to us. And to be honest, I'm really happy they did. I feel in terms of what he's good at, I feel he's comfortable with both his feet, left and right. I feel, you know, well, from the heart reel, if you saw from the, what the club tweeted out, uh, he's he showed that quite comfortably. Um, obviously, his goal record that I mentioned it shows he's fairly clinical, um, a lot more clinical than what we potentially have in the squad. Of course, Cammy Jerome is a really clinical striker, so I think those two um, long-term could be quite good as a partnership. Um, you know, a few Chelsea accounts sort of talked about him quite a bit and they sort of mentioned how much of a hard worker he is and how his link-up play could work quite well. And also, that's what Russ Martin's after in his teams in terms of work ethic, work ethic. Um, and he's not. He's going to be a team player. He's not going to be a player who's going to be quite selfish and just look, you know, look after look for himself in terms of trying to score goals. And um, one last point I'm making in terms of what's good about uh, Charlie Brown as of now is he's quite explosive as a player. You can create something from nothing. A bit like what we saw from um, Reese when he was here in terms of just being really creative um, and scoring lots of goals. And I feel he could do that. Maybe not right away, um, but certainly looking forwards maybe six months from now and into next season definitely um joe what were your kind of thoughts on charlie brown signing me you saw it this morning yeah i think it's a really solid signing and i think just one i think almost a disclaimer you know it's his first time like say he's barely played men's football so for me you know you, you spoke a lot about the positives but i just want to maybe yeah. you know just at the end of the day he's 21 he's not really played men's football before and sometimes it, it is hard for people to adjust from the academy setups to, to men's football and so I do think that we need to be patient with him but I definitely definitely do think that there's a player in there um, I was speaking um, with um, a, a guy uh, Rams uh, from Market Insight and he I asked him about about uh, Charlie Brown and he mentioned how um, you know he's maybe not hit quite hit the levels of, of like a Tammy Abraham but he, uh, academy level, he he has been you know really prolific. Um, he's 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 quite mobile, and one thing uh, that Rams mentioned was that he he's really good in a a two a two striker setup, and I think his link up play is something that's going to be really key. And that's what uh, something I don't think he will be like Morris, but I think that one thing we saw with Morris was how important his link up play was for the rest of our for the rest of the team. Um, I think as well, just getting in, you know, someone that's a someone that's a young player, bringing bringing sort of the age profile of the team down a bit. It's a permanent transfer, you know, so it's a body in. 
I think it's, you know, it's plenty to look forward to. And I think this is more a sign-in for next season, potentially, rather than this season. And with Steve Walker leaving, that's why I do potentially think there could be another lone striker coming in. But then you've also got to look on the other side of the coin where, where you know, Jerome is nailed on. But now you've got Mason, Bird and Agard as, as sort of three backup strikers. Um, do we then sign another one? I, I don't know. I don't know. It depends what's going on potentially with Agard. It depends how how quick Bird is going to be fit and whether or not Russ wants to put him straight into the first team setup. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another striker come in. Do I think we need one? No. Do I think we'll cope without one? A, a, another striker addition? Yes, I do think we'll cope. Um, but I, again, I wouldn't be surprised either to, to see another striker come in on loan. Yeah, I mean, obviously when we did our transfer window preview, I mentioned how I didn't think we needed a striker um, if Morris was on Morris was on in the first place, um, and obviously Morris has me done as well as Steve Walker. And we got one in, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised if no strikers brought in. I just feel if you're going to play the two strikers, having six strikers in the squad is just a bit excessive. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Mace, I, I I do like I I I know he hasn't really shown it, but I do think there is a good player in Mason there. I just think yeah. he needs consistent time and minutes on the field. Yeah, and um, yeah, I say you mentioned about Morris, and I saw I did say I, did say, I saw a few comparisons of regarding um, Morris and um, Brown, and it doesn't make any sense to me that they're two completely different players in terms of physicality. And I think it's going to take a good few seasons to get Brown up to Morris's physicality if that's what Russ wants from him. I, and I don't think it is. I think people are just misreading what type of player maybe uh, Charlie is. I do see more of a healing mold there, and that will. That would make sense in terms of the ROI thing that um, you know the whole club seemed to be really focusing on, and this screams of it to be honest. In terms of you know developing Brown for maybe one or two seasons, and then getting to the stage where if we're not in a position where we you know in the championship, perhaps that he can move on to championship team and um, do well there, and we make a handsome um, you know money profit off of it essentially. Um, I was wondering, Joe, do you reckon that? I mean, most big clubs do these days, and it's a bit early on to mention this now, I suppose. But do you reckon that uh, Chelsea have got a cheeky little buyback clause in there for Brown in case he does score like a ridiculous amount of goals? Uh, I, I'm not so sure. I think, I think, with with the fact that he's he's 21, so I think at the by the ages of so if he was say 17, 18, 19, I think yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think. I think maybe he's just not quite at Chelsea's level, but I don't, you know, let's come on. That's not a bad thing. I think because at the end of the day, uh, the best striker in the championship probably isn't at Chelsea's level. And so, yeah. you know, so just because someone's, you know, not, not, not quite there doesn't mean it's not an exceptional signing or potential to be exceptional for, for the for league. Well, I think technically, I think there's no doubt he's good enough. And, um, you know, look at some of his goals. He's obviously a good finisher. I think the only worry is, is it, well, it's not a worry, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to men's football. Because, um, uh, you know, his, his goal record in the academy set is, is good, is, is very good. So it, it's all about that transition. And I do think it's going to take time. So I just hope that, you know, we, I just hope we have a bit of patience with him. Yeah, this season, well, this rest of the season, it's just him dipping his toes into it all. 
I think uh, next season we're going to see the true Charlie Brown. And um, it seems it's silly to say that before he's even played a game. Um, but I think um, in most cases that's what happens in you know, this type of situation. And he's a left footer as well. The last left exactly. footer he got from Chelsea wasn't too bad, was he? Yeah, I love a I love a good left footer up front. That's for sure. Mr. Patrick Bamford, <laughs> what a player. Okay, um, I think that finally marks the end of the episode. If you uh, stay here this long, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, we appreciate it. it's a long episode, but there was a lot to cover, and um, we wanted to get it all out before uh, the weekend. Um, so thank you very much if you did stay this long. Um, and yeah, if rate review and subscribe if you could that'd be lovely um as always um feedback is all appreciated on certain topics um you know we're hoping that you're enjoying all the guests we're bringing on in terms of the opposition overviews and um yeah um enjoy this game this weekend it's going to be an interesting one for sure against another tough team and come on you dons The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.